Amen. Thank you, sir. Appreciate all of you guys, and thank you for coming on this holiday weekend. I know we have a number of folks traveling, our own family. Holly and Bobby are down in Florida with friends, and Heather and Parker are away at a marriage retreat with uh, their former church. And so we've had the baby all weekend, and it's just a few of us at the house. And um, so it's a lot of folks out, but we're glad you're here, glad you're tuned in. Thank you for checking us out today. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Here's what we're going to do. This week and next week, I'm going to finish chapter 4 uh, in a two-part message series, and then I've got four more messages left, but I'm going to take about a three-week break. We're going to do communion together. We're going to have some special weeks in between, and then in the month of October, we're going to take the last four Sundays, since there are five, we're going to finish... First John, before we get into the holiday season where we'll do some special Thanksgiving and Christmas things together. And uh, so we're talking about blessed assurance. This book spends a lot of time talking about light. Now we're spending a lot of time talking about love and what does that really mean and look like. And then we'll see life with Christ. This is written so that we can have confidence in our faith, that we can know that we know that we know that we're children of God. Not that we have to wonder and worry I want us to learn this verse together, 1 John 4, 4. Let's say it with no blanks, then I'll throw some blanks in there. You ready? Let's do it. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. All right? Now let me hear you throw some blanks in it. Ready? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Very good. All right. So that was last week, right? Greater is he. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And we've had a lot of messages already with the theme of love. You might remember the Johnny Lee song, Looking for Love. We did that way back in chapter 2. We learned from Miss Tina Turner what's love got to do with it back in chapter 3. We talked about true love, or according to the princess bride and the priest, true love, and we looked at that a few weeks ago. Last week, greater is he. Today, I was inspired to take the title of this message and part two from the 1985 hit song, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, because I've been here coming up on three years, and I never want to brag about my family connections, but we just called him Uncle Huey, okay? I don't know how you know him. We call him uncle around the house, but... Um, my dad's brother, kidding, totally kidding, don't write me, okay? <laughs> Huey Lewis and the News, right? You remember the movie? What movie was it from? Back to the Future, part one and part three. If you say, I've never seen that, shame on you, get right or get left. Come on now. Get back and watch the classics. Back to the future. Huey wrote the song, Uncle Huey, we call him. Uh, Huey Lewis in the News made this song very famous through that series. This great song, even I always check with Pastor Frank uh, to see if he, and he actually heard of this song. So it's amazing that he would know this, but the power of love is a curious thing. Make one man weep, make another man sing. Change a hawk to a little white dove. More than a feeling, that's a great line, by the way, more than a feeling, that's the power of love. Do y'all remember the chorus? Don't need money, don't take fame, don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's strong and it's sudden and it's cruel sometimes. Listen to this line. And it might just save your life. What's the chorus? That's the power of love. Right? That's the power of love. All right, we love that song. That's the power of love. I love this line. It might just 
save your life. You know what? Without the love of God as manifested through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it's the only way to save your life. You can't be saved apart from the love of God in Christ. But love must be grounded in truth. Think about it. You could say there's power in medicine, but you better take the right kind of medicine. Because if you take the wrong thing, it could come back and get you, right? we got a lot of folks talking about medicine and vaccine and should we do this or should we do that. I just hope a lot of folks don't start growing like three ears or talking like Mr. Ed because they're taking some weird stuff right now. It's a strange time, but you got to take the medicine that corresponds to reality, right? And you hear these commercials and they're weird. They're saying, all right, take this if you got like high blood pressure, but your left arm may fall off or you may lose a toe or you may not sleep forever and all these weird side effects and so when you think about it it's like okay I need to take the right thing and I need to make sure that my my feeling on this what I'm dealing with accords with reality well this is true with love the power of love has to do more with uh, truth than just warm fuzzies and abstract concepts love is defined and love is demonstrated by God as revealed in his word so we're not just going to focus on any love today We're going to focus on the love of God as seen perfectly in Christ. With that being said, I'm going to read the remainder of the chapter. So stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. I'll pick up with verse 7, 1 John 4, 7, and go all the way to 21. We'll get through about half of the verses today. We'll pick up the last part next week. Beloved, so that means, okay, people in the family of God, brothers and sisters, let us love one another, for love is of God, And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. I know you've heard this phrase, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested or made known toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, no one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. And by this, we know that we abide in him. Look at that. That's a statement of assurance, blessed assurance. We know we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Again, he repeats, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this. Now watch, again, confidence. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, well, he's a liar. For he who doesn't love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hasn't seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an incredible part of this letter here. 
There's so much. In fact, I think I could spend a few months trying to unpack all of these pictures of love here. But I pray today that you would speak very clearly to us and that we would not only hear with our ears and see with our eyes, but we would apply these truths. That we would go out of here and look and live in a different way because Jesus has changed and continues to change us. God, I lift this prayer today for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, let's be seated. So let's talk about some realities of God's love. We're going to see through the text who God is, who we are, and how we're called to relate to other people in the family of God as a result of God's love. So let's start. The power of God's love reveals the people of God's family. The power of God's love reveals the people of God's family. How do I know that I know that I know that that is my brother or my sister in Christ? I want us to be in prayer for our team right now in Senegal, West Africa. We have a team of five. They're doing some eye clinics, and they're sharing with those who don't know Christ. And having been there a few years ago and having been on every inhabited continent of this planet, I will tell you that even if I don't know the language, and I don't know many, so if I don't know that language, I can still know in very short order if that person is a brother or sister in Christ. There is something about a true believer, wherever they are in the world, whatever language comes out of their mouth, whatever the socioeconomic status is, whatever our cultural differences may be, or the way we dress, or what we eat, and I can know that's my sister, that's my brother. There's something about the Spirit of God witnessing in us that exposes the true people of God, and it's this almost inexplicable love that we have for other believers. This love of God comes out, and in what we just read, verses 7 to 21, John uses the noun or verbal form of love 27 times. 27 times he says agape or agapeo, a noun or a verb, a a type of true love. Look again at 7, 8, and then 15, 16, 7, 8. Beloved, let us love one another. Love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And if he doesn't love, he doesn't know God because God is love. Think about that. God is love. Then 15 and 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, well, God abides in him and he in God. And we've known and we believe the love that God has for us. He repeats himself. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now listen to this very carefully. Super important statement I'm about to make. God is love. That is not the same thing as love is God. Do not mix these up. And let me see if I can explain why. The fact that two people say they love one another doesn't necessarily mean that love is godly or holy. It's been rightly said that Love does not define God. God defines love. You see, if you get these things out of order, you begin to mistake other things for the love of God. Greek, the language of the New Testament, had four different words for love. So what kind of love are we talking about? Is it eros love, where we get our word erotic? That's not a dirty word, by the way. But is it that kind of love? No. Is it philos love? Is it the love that is like brotherly, kind, friendship? No. It's agape, agapeo love. And so when we look at that, it's not sensual, it's not sentimental, it's not just social, it's supernatural love, a love that has its origin from God. So watch, 
We have the God of the universe, and love comes from him. He defines it. You don't have love out here and then define God by that, lest you define God by your experiences. God gets to define himself. And so he's saying that God is the one who gives us the true meaning of love. Our love, or our conception of love, doesn't define God because he is the source of love. Now, look, guys, we're not given these verses to make us feel guilty. Well, you just need to work harder, struggle more. Your love is not perfect, no. But what he's pointing out is because God is love, to have fellowship with God means to live in that love. But pastor, verse 7 says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So doesn't that mean that if even somebody rejects Jesus but they're a loving person, that they're really one of us? No, that's not what he means. Never take a text out of its context. It would be wrong to conclude that anybody that shows what we call love is a true child of God, regardless of whether they believe in Christ. See, John's already made the point that a true child of God both loves right and believes right. Back in chapter 3, verse 23. And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. So what does that mean? The commandment is that in order to love God the right way, I must believe the right way. So even those who aren't true children of God can love people at times because we've all been created in the image of God. So God gives us this sense of of love even if we don't really know him. But the capacity to love in its fullest expression is reserved for those who are true Christians. How can I love someone to the fullest? Let me tell you how you love someone to the fullest. You show them your regular outward displays of love and affection, but you also tell them the truth of Jesus Christ. Because if I love you right now, but don't tell you about Jesus, then it's temporal. But if I love you and I show you Christ and I verbalize the gospel and I tell you the truth, then I'm telling you I want to be with you forever, not just here for the 70, 80, or even 100 years that God may give us. So when you study the chapter as a whole here, and when you study the book of 1 John holistically, here's what we got to remember. Some people are teaching heresy. They're pulling people out of the church. They're saying, hey, hey, you Christians over there. You Christians around Ephesus, you, you don't need to listen to those guys like John or Peter, those old apostles. You don't need to listen to them. We've got a secret knowledge. Come be in our club. And if you'll come be in our club, then we'll separate ourselves from them. And all they were trying to do was build power and build wealth and build what a lot of people try to build. But John's coming back and saying, look, true love is grounded in Jesus and his truth. And if we say we're going to separate and not really love our other brothers and sisters, then we're saying, actually, we're lying. Because if you really know and love God, you really know and love your brothers. So let's flip it around. You see, if you don't really know and love God, it's evidenced by not really knowing and loving your brother. How could someone receive divine life in Jesus, have the indwelling Holy Spirit, Know that God is love, and yet not be loving. What does it lead us to conclude? I wrote it like this. A person genuinely saved by love and eternally indwelt by love will consistently demonstrate 
love. Did you notice the word I chose at the end was not perfectly demonstrate love? I said consistently demonstrate love. And let me tell you why you can't perfectly demonstrate love. Because you're still in this human body, and there's this war going on with the sin nature of the flesh. And so we make mistakes. We want to love well. We want to love even perfectly. I want to love my wife and my kids and our granddaughter. I want to love perfectly. But let me tell you, Cindy left to take her mama home yesterday, and she left me with the baby most of the day alone. And changing that kid's diaper, I hadn't changed a diaper in like 20 years. I'm going to tell you right now, I I had a hard time loving for a few minutes. Now, I don't know what they fed her the night before, but it ain't right for a G-pod to have to touch a G-baby's diaper. It ain't right, Cindy. It ain't right. I'm just telling you. And they gave her something. I don't know what they gave her. I tried to give her Pepto-Bismol. I mean, it was bad. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you right now so you're not too hungry for lunch. Listen, we want to love perfectly, but it's very difficult sometimes. And, and, and we all went like... and beat them in a nail-biter in five games. It was exciting to be there. Earlier in the week, uh, you know, last Friday our boys had played South Dole, and it was a great football game. We just quite couldn't get it done at the end, but we were so close. And then JV boys had a game with South Doyle. We went back to South Doyle Monday night. And, of course, you know how you, when you love your kids, if you have student athletes, you love your kids, and you see them out there on the field at the court, and you're cheering, you're going crazy. And um, so uh, first half, nobody scored. Bryson Morris does a great job coaching our JV. Coach Long does a great job with, with, uh, with varsity. But you know, with JV football, the first game, it's always like herding cats. They're just like, where do I go? What do I do, coach? Where am I? And it was so fun watching the boys play. But second half, they started looking better. And uh, there was a play about 40 yards out, and Bobby cut around. Our son, Bobby, we call him Bo, so I'll just say Bo cut around. They threw him the ball. He runs it all the way in. It's our first touchdown. And he, his uh, first touchdown of the season. Well, no, he scored the other week. But it was his first JV touchdown. And so uh, we were cheering, and I looked at Cindy. I said, did you get that? Because we have an agreement that I watch and she films, okay? So that's what, it, that's what was supposed to happen. Uh, she, we got caught up in the excitement. She didn't get it on camera, so it was all right, you know. No big deal. But uh, then, a little bit later in the second half, um, they're setting up, and it looks like he might get the ball again, and so she gets her phone out. We're all excited. You know, we're sitting there watching, and she's about to record. And so, uh, you know, we want to love well. We want to cheer well. We want to be excited. So I'm sitting here, and Cindy's here in the middle with their phone, and her mama is sitting here. So Bobby's grandmother, uh, Mama, is sitting here, and uh, you just have to see it. Watch what happened. Bobby will pull up the side of the quarterback. Are we recording now? Little Bobby or Bo? Let's do something. Let's do something. Let's do something. My mother-in-law was really excited. Go, Bobby, go, 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 bang. And here goes Cindy's phone flipping. And I don't know if you could hear it, but I said, was that your phone? I mean, I sounded like I was a, a, a kid going through puberty again. And her phone crashed. Thankfully, it didn't break. And thankfully, another parent got it. We did score, and we won 14-7. So we beat those guys in Jesus' name. It was good. Listen, uh, 
You, you want to love well, you're happy, you're exuberant, boom, then you do something and all of a sudden you go, oh. But we all do that, right? And, and my mother-in-law's no longer here, and I hope not watching, but I love you. And um, Bobby's not here. I don't want to swell his head up. He's in Florida, so we're not going to talk about him scoring a couple times. I tell you the truth, though, guys. You want to love well, you want to cheer. When I was reading my notes, I thought, well, i got to show that because it's a perfect example is when we're excited and we're, you know, we're, you, you think, oh, we love and we do this. But sometimes it just, it just fails. And, and the Lord is not somehow trying to punish us and say, look, if you don't get this exactly right, you can't be part of the family. What he's actually saying is that if God is in you and you are in him and you're walking with Christ, because it's not just love as an emotion, it's love and truth. They always go together. And so as you're walking in love, walking in truth, yeah, you know what? You're going to mess up sometimes. Things are going to be bad. But... The world is going to know that we are Christians really by our love. There's this aroma, this fragrance. 2 Corinthians says it this way. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are God's fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And in 2 Corinthians 2.16, he says, to the one, we're an aroma of death. Because the fragrance that comes out is Christ and Christ alone. Christ is the way to the Father. And to the other, we're an aroma of life, leading to life. You can know this Christ too. He's not just for us, he's for anybody that'll come to him. But this aroma, you know, you smell like those things you hang around. It's just the reality. When Bo was 10, he had been riding two wheels since he was four, but when he was 10, he, we wanted to get into dirt biking. So I bought him a fairly decent-sized gas dirt bike, and we had a dirt bike club at our church. And we would go out and ride, and if any of you have been at the dirt track for the day, you come home smelling like dirt and gas and oil, and it's awesome. I mean, it's a great smell if you're into it, right? It's awesome. But you're expected to smell that way because that's who you've been around. Well, listen, how, how are you smelling to the watching world and how are you smelling to your brothers and sisters? And I'm not talking about aren't you glad you use dial and don't you wish everybody did. Okay, yes, I do. But I'm talking about the aroma of Christ. Do they know? Does your life give off this fragrance? Now, that's my brother. That's my sister. I just know. You see... After Jesus washed his disciples' feet in John chapter 13, he said this to them in John 13, 35. By this, all will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, he demonstrated his love in multiple ways, washing their feet, dying on the cross, touching, healing, feeding, ministering. He always met needs in practical ways, but he loved people. And he said, if you want them to know you're my, fo my followers, my students, my disciples, you're going to love one another too. Because the power of God's love reveals the people of God's family. But also and finally today, this is shorter, the power of God's love reveals the purpose for God's son. The purpose for God's son. Verse 9 and following. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, he repeats this word, beloved. 
If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, when I hear those phrases, God's only begotten Son and God so loved us, I can't help but think about that most famous verse from John's other letter, John's Gospel, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. That same writer, same language. He's basically saying to us, Jesus didn't just preach the love of God, Jesus proved the love of God. He manifested the love of God by being willing to be a sacrifice for sin. That he manifested God's love when God came to earth in the flesh and Jesus served as the propitiation. Big word, we studied it back in chapter 2, but quickly, what it means is actually pretty simple. God bore in his body... Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune Godhead, he bore the punishment for our sin. And in so doing, Jesus alone satisfied God's holy standard. Because here's the truth, guys. God is love, but God is also holy. Those things are not separated. They are exactly the same. The same God who is holy is the same God who loves. And God is so holy, he cannot allow our sin and imperfection in his presence. So he said sin must be covered with a sacrifice. It must be cleansed with blood. Therefore, God became man. He dwelt among us, and Jesus, the God-man, satisfied God's holy standard and wrath against sin, propitiation. He satisfied God's wrath. But simultaneously, he demonstrated God's love. You see, it's not that we were somehow working our way to God. That's called religion. God came to man. That's called relationship. Religion is always initiated by us upward. Biblical Christianity is a relationship initiated by God downward. The greatest expression of God's love is the death of his son. And yet, it didn't end there. Because we had to know that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, right? How would we know that God said, this sacrifice is enough once and for all? How did you know you didn't have to bring an animal in here today? How did you know you didn't have to bring a lamb or it's dove season now in Tennessee and you didn't have to bring a dove? Because Jesus is the lamb of God. The Holy Spirit alit on him like a dove and there was proof that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus the third day because the tomb no longer contained his body. God said, I accept that sacrifice and by the power of God, Jesus the Son was raised to new life and now you can have confidence. You can know that you know that you know that God loves you and that's where it starts and in return you can love God and you can receive Christ. Christ, because he satisfied God's standard. Warren Wearsby said it beautifully, Christ's death was not an accident, it was an appointment. He didn't die as a weak martyr, but as a mighty conqueror. Jesus made it very clear, no one takes my life from me, I'm willingly laying it down. You know, it may look like he's weak, but friend, he is not. You know, when we're playing with the baby, when Miss Lucy now, who's, who's mimicking everything we say and doing all this stuff, sometimes she wants to play and, and we'll pretend. And she'll say, hold, hold, and she wants me to pick her up. And I'll say, well, you hold me. And she'll come and wrap her little arms around my legs. And then, of course, I'll just come up on my tiptoes. Now, in her young, toddlerish mind, she may think she's holding g But we know who's in control. 
times that by a million or a billion or a trillion or a Googleplex, and that's how much greater our God is than us. And so no one killed Jesus. He gave his life as a willing sacrifice. But then there's these curious verses in 12 and following that say no one has seen God at any time. But if we, that means no one living, by the way. It doesn't mean nobody's seen God. You'd see him one day, but it means no one current around here has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us, matured, not perfect in the way of no mistake. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. We can know that we know that we know because he's given us of his spirit and we've seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. What he's saying is that in Jesus, God made the invisible become visible. God who is what we call incorporeal, without a body. He's spirit. The incorporeal God took on flesh. He tabernacled among us. This tent of a body God took in Jesus. And so if you look at Jesus, you look at God. In fact, Jesus would say, John 1.18, I'm sorry, John would say about Jesus, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He has made him known. He has revealed him. In fact, Jesus said in John 14.9, he that has seen me has seen the Father. How is that possible? Because you have God the Father, God the Son, who is still fully God, and God the Holy Spirit. And if you see Jesus, you see God. And so people in this world today are saying, oh, if I could just see God, if I could just see the Lord, you know what you tell them? Look, you need to look to Jesus. And they're going to say, but I can't see Jesus. You say Jesus is at the right hand of God. How can I see Jesus? And five different times the apostle Paul said, well, then look at me. Now, I know some of you immediately are going to say, but that's cocky. That's arrogant. We can't do that. But Paul would say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So what he was saying was, if you want to see a snapshot of Jesus, I'm a flawed man. I'm chief among sinners. I make a lot of mistakes, but I'm trying to live Jesus before you. I'm trying so that when you look at me, you're seeing a glimpse of glory. And I'm not there yet. I'm a man in progress. But if you want to see a glimpse, look at me. And I think for all of us, if we're Christians, we're so afraid to say that because we know how flawed our lives are. But we got to be honest with the watching world and say, we're not there yet. We are not perfect and we don't have it all figured out. But I do have the true God living in me by his spirit. I do walk with the true Savior, Jesus Christ. I do read the true word that is spoken and breathed out by God himself. And I am not going to apologize or be cowardly. I am going to stand up and declare that Jesus Christ is the only way to have a relationship with God. It's not about choosing a religion. It's about accepting a relationship with God who loves you and wants to know you. Folks, I don't know why Christians, and I said it a little bit last week, but I just reiterate one point. I don't know why Christians have to feel as though we can't speak up and speak out. We know the one true and living God. Through the incarnation, Jesus becomes the visible manifestation of the invisible God. And God loved us enough to send the Lord to die for our sins so our punishment has been paid, his wrath has been satisfied, there's nothing left to do but say, yes, Lord, save me, come quickly, take me to be where you are when my time here is through. 
The power of God's love reveals the people of God's family. And the power of God's love reveals the purpose for God's son. Now, we started today singing a little bit of Uncle Huey, right? Now, y'all know he's not my uncle. Don't write me for an autograph. I was kidding about that, okay? So be careful out there. I get some weird requests. But there was a song that came out one year before Uncle Huey's song, and it was from 1984. Y'all heard of a little group called Foreigner? Anybody heard of Foreigner? All right. Anybody ever heard this song? I want to know what love is. Anybody know the next line? I want you to show me. Right? That's a good song. I'm ruining them all of them for you. Just stay long enough. I'm ruining them every one of your favorite songs. It's a great line. I want to know what love is. And the, the, the thing is, I want you to show me. I think this is what the world is saying. I think this is what people are looking for, especially in a year or two with a global pandemic and war and rumor of war and all of this craziness around us and instability in politics and weather and everything else. People are crying, I want to know what love is. And the church has the opportunity, the true brothers and sisters of Christ have an opportunity to say, I will show you. I will step up and show you what love looks like. I'll tell you, and I'll be there as a visible manifestation of the love of God in your life. Folks, we could say we're going to pray for Middle Tennessee, and we're going to pray for Louisiana, and we're going to pray for all this destruction. But this week, we sent a whole pile of money to help the people in Middle Tennessee, and we're getting school supplies to help the people. And we sent a whole pile of money to Louisiana because because you, the church, are being generous and you're allowing us to be generous and say, hey, look, we're going to help you in practical ways. Don't tell somebody, go, be warm and be filled, but don't do the things that they need. Now, don't be gullible. I never, now listen, you're going to be cra- this might drive somebody crazy. I never give people money that ask me on the street, ever. But I'm always willing to give them a hand with the more important things and get them real help because I'm now cynical and I see how people misuse. But wherever I can practically help, you want something to eat? You want me to try to help you get a job? You want me to try to help you get a room? You want me to try to help you get something practical that can help you rather than possibly fueling a terrible habit? Do you want me to really help you and love you well? I'll do that, but I'm not going to be gullible. I'm going to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. But I want us to think As we draw to the close here, what does love really look like? I want to know what love is. God, I want you to show me. Watch this short clip.
I just want to know what love is. Okay. Then with the eyes of faith, I want you to look at Bethlehem's manger and see God in the flesh. You want to know what love is? Look at a humble carpenter teaching truth and touching the untouchables and healing the hurting and giving hope in a hopeless world. You want to know what love is? Your eyes of faith can see a cross on a hill outside of the holy city. You can see the Son of God hanging there for you. And three days later, you can look beyond the cross and see the empty tomb and see how the Father accepted the Son's sacrifice. You want to know what love is? I want you to look with eyes of faith into the very throne room of God Almighty and see God sitting there, God in the flesh, Jesus the Christ at the Father's right hand, interceding even now for you and for me and soon coming again. And if you really want to know what love is, look full into the glorious and powerful and magnificent and marvelous and matchless face of the risen Savior God, the Son, the Son of God. And when you see Jesus Christ high and lifted up in all of his splendor and all of his majesty and all of his glory, when you see Jesus, you are seeing the power of love. Stand with me this morning. Stand with me. And for those of you that say, man, I don't get it. Well, you won't get it unless you say yes to Jesus. <laughs> You're just not going to get it. You're just not going to get it. You don't like football. You wouldn't get why we act crazy out there. You don't like hunting, you won't get why I'm getting up tomorrow morning and going out and sitting in a field on a bucket. You don't like dove hunting, you won't get it. That's okay. I'll eat them and think of you. You won't get it. But if you love these things, you get it. And if you've come to trust Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you get it. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you know what God's done in you. Some of you have bought the lie some of you have bought the lie, God doesn't love me. I've asked him for this and I've asked him for that. I've prayed for this and I've prayed for that. And God hasn't answered, therefore God doesn't love me. Listen, a lot of times I tell my children no, but I still love them. In fact, sometimes I tell them no precisely because I love them. Say, but I hasn't, haven't heard from God. Well, maybe that's a no, maybe that's a not yet. Maybe that's a slow down. But if you believe in the word of God and you see Christ with eyes of faith today, you can know that you know that you know that God loves you. And what dwells in you is the power of his love. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm praying first today if anybody is uncertain of where they stand with you. If there's any person here under the sound of my voice or out there watching now or maybe even tuned in later, if they're uncertain, all they have to do is let us know. They can walk to the sides here in a few minutes and see one of our pastors. They can come up to Cindy and I at the kiosk in a, in a few moments. They can reach out online. However they can get to us, let us show them how much you love them. Regardless of their past, regardless of anything that's going on in their life, then or now, or anything that even will happen, they can know love, but they've got to know Jesus. There are many of us that do know Christ, and yet we still feel like we're walking in a valley or there's a dark cloud over us. 
There's some folks today that may need to give some things over and trust, completely yielding to you, believing that you and you alone know best for how to handle whatever it is they may be facing. Certainly our hearts are heavy for those who have undergone loss in recent days, be it natural disaster or disease. Those who are in Afghanistan now desperately seeking to, to escape and find freedom or even those that desire to stay but want to be able to worship you freely. God, we want to come and be prayer warriors on their behalf today, but we didn't just pray for the flood victims, and we're not just praying about the devastation around us. We're putting feet to our prayers. We're loving people in practical ways. We pray for our team today in Senegal and pray that the word of Christ would go forth in and through them richly and that they would begin to see a harvest in a land with very, very few brothers and sisters. Thank you for what you're doing in and through your church, not just here, but all over this globe. Move us now to be prayer warriors, that this would continue and that the gospel would go forth because they want to know what love is and they want us to show them. So let us show them Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.